As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portsign with you on a Wednesday afternoon, a warm Wednesday afternoon. It's almost 60 degrees. There's still snow outside. It's one of those strange February days in Ohio. Or is this March? This, hell, this shit, this stuff goes on till April. Uh, joined today by Bally Sports Ohio's Jean-Luc Grandpierre. Hello, Jean-Luc. Hello, hello, how are you? It feels like a late April day in Canada, but we'll call it late February in yeah, Columbus. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's just kind of strange, but I think it's supposed to be nice for a little while. Yeah, this this is kind of temp- the weather that kind of gets you thinking about the the playoffs and meaningful games when the weather starts to turn nice, which is just the best part of hockey season. Blue Jackets. Jean-Luc, take one on the chin last night in Calgary, 6-2. They snap a three-game win streak, a five-game road win streak. Uh, Let's get into a few things with that game, if we can. Uh, They have been blown out twice by by Calgary now within the span of about three weeks. Um, This is the kind of team they have trouble with, but I, I felt like they were dramatically better last night, though the score was similar. This was a pretty good game. Well into the second period, until Rostovic's turnover makes it three to one. The shorthanded goal four one. It kind of got away from them at, at that point. It feels like they're playing better to me, and I, I hate to put a rose colored lipstick or sunglasses. What am I going for here on a on an ugly performance? Because it wasn't a great night at the rink. But I've, I feel like there's been some progress made from where this team was a few weeks ago. Do you get that vibe as well? 
Yeah, big time. It's a it's a completely different game. And yes, although the score kind of indicates the same thing because it was a six nothing loss on January twenty fifth, uh, it was a completely different game. That one. So we're talking about Tuesday's game where they lost six to two. To me, yeah. it's a little bit of self inflicted loss uh, yeah. where you allowed forty one shots, which is actually not all that bad. But the six nothing loss at home felt like you know, 11 to 10, yeah. you know, 11 yeah. to 12, nothing loss. And the right. one last night easily could have been a, you know, a two, one game or three, mm-hmm. two game in, in my opinion. So a completely different uh, hockey game. And I love the way the blue jackets defended the middle of the ice, mm-hmm. especially in the first period, because you can see that Calgary loves to go, especially at first line with Kachuk, they like to go east-west through the you know the, the offensive zone all the time, and the Blue Jackets did a good job limiting those side-to-side passes. Interesting, interesting. Well, I thought you'd be the perfect guest uh, this week because there's 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 so many things that just fall right into your wheelhouse here. Um, and it, it, sticking with last night's game a bit, Adam Bogfist scores uh, kind of a broken play, buries it though. The kid. The kid knows how to shoot. He's got a little finish to his game, though he'd be Swedish. Nine goals now in 34 games as a 21-year-old defenseman. Jean-Luc, you made your debut in the NHL at 22 years old. You know what it's like to be a very young man in the NHL. How impressed are you by Bogvist, and how optimistic are you uh, about this kid's offensive upside, given what he's been able to do this year? It's still quite a quite a young age uh extremely optimistic uh you look at his uh, goal total it's really impressive for me as you look at him skate out there it's not a guy that has you know 105 miles an hour slap shot or mm-hmm. necessarily a really hard shot he just he, he just has it and it's hockey sense it's him being at the right place at the right time because most defensemen would not be in that position we're talking about that goal he scored against calgary yeah, most defensemen would not be in that position and thinking of following the play wide as Patrick Line is trying to shoot the puck. Yet there he is, and it's just it's not only he has the skills to finish, but he really has that offensive-minded thing that you really cannot teach. You know, you could have taken me for twenty years watching video, and you know, I still wouldn't have what he has right now. So it's really impressive to see uh, how how well. First of all, how he's developed so fast in two seasons. And the fact that he's 21 years old, putting that many amount of goals and points without being on the power play, realistically, because, right. you know, he's on that second unit. And let's not kid ourselves, that they second barely, unit for yeah. the Columbus Blue yeah, they barely touch the ice. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, his guy is Eric Carlson, who, of course, you know, if you remember Carlson in his prime, always wanted the puck on a stick. I don't feel like Boakvist is that guy, but maybe he will – I'm not saying he's going to become Carlson. Maybe he's going to to grow into a defenseman who wants to carry the puck more. But what kind of defenseman do you see him blooming to be if he continues on this trajectory? What style of play fits him? I, I don't. He doesn't transport it like like Carlson does. Who does really? Um, I just wonder what he's going to look like when he maxes it out. I feel like. Uh... Man, I, I'm trying to think of a comparable, and I can't really think of one. For me, he's not necessarily the guy that's going to carry it end to end. 
Uh, yeah. He's more of a support guy, almost like that second wave. His read for that second wave and where the open area is, when he's around with good players, they find him and he finishes no problem. So he's a, just a great support to that forward group. But like you said, Eric Carlson's a guy that used to, you know, create a lot from the point, which I think uh, Boquist can definitely do. But Carlson was a different beast because he mm-hmm. loved to carry the puck through that oh. neutral zone. And you don't necessarily see Boquist do that all that much yeah. yet. No. no. I wonder if it's gonna, if he's going to be more comfortable carrying the puck as he gets older. Um, I wanted to ask you about Andrew P because he's been an eye-opener for me. And he's starting most games opposite Zach Wierenski now on the, on the top pair. He's drawn 20-plus minutes a night. Kind of had a rough night last night on the one goal. I, I love the way Larson handled it. I mean, you might as well joke about it. Obviously, the the kid, I don't even know if he, it's not even really screwed up because it's not like he made the wrong decision. He it just, he screwed up. What am I saying? But it, it it's a bad luck bounce at everybody. If you play the game long enough, you're going to eat one of those. Um, but on the whole, I think Andrew Peak has been one of the, one of the, the cluster of things, if you're watching this team closely this year, with an eye just, just not just for today, but toward the future, I think he's one of the guys that that you got to feel pretty good about. And I'm wondering what you've seen in him so far this season, Sean Luke Grumpier. I'm so excited for him. <clears throat> Heading into training camp, I remember sitting around and thinking, who's going to meet the team between Carlson, Peak, Bayreuther, and to me, it was clearly there's a lack of physicality on this team. Uh, and then on that blue line, if you can add it, it's definitely a big plus. And, you know, Andrew Peak, he's a uh, Ivy League guy. He's smart. He knows what he needs to do to make the team made it. But for me, the thing that's even more impressive is uh, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's pretty easy to come up in the league and, you know, make an impression for three, four games and then kind of, disappear slowly but he's been so consistent game after game and we have 47 games now on the schedule and it seems like game after game he's getting better more physical and his ice time is also increasing and to be able to carry that for a season for me he's by far the most improved player on this Blue Jackets team from last year to this year and the biggest surprise and it doesn't show on the numbers when you look at stats but yeah. that's not why he's there. And to me, he's probably the guy that had the biggest impact on this team, especially on that blue line right now. Now, do you think he's a top four guy when all is said and done and he's reached his ceiling? If he keeps developing at the pace and the way he is, I don't see why not. Uh, you yeah. look at a guy like uh, David Savar, you look at a guy like mm-hmm. Vladislav Gavrikov, that are legitimate top four guys. I think Andrew Peak is right in line with these two guys. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. What is that like when when you first come into the league having to assert yourself physically against grown men? I, I think it probably I, if well correct me if I'm wrong, but I think when you were a junior player, you were you were pretty physical. Um coming up so it wasn't like you got to the nhl and had to sort of add that to your toolbox but peak has done that and i i I, it doesn't come naturally to him or it didn't come naturally to him but it feels like it's almost becoming a habit now of finishing checks being kind of greasy what is that like when you're these guys are there's some big men out there jean-luc i don't need to tell you that 
That can yeah. be physically intimidating, I would think. Yeah, it's it's not easy because uh, so I, I kind of went through that transition where, you know, I, I was playing Bantam hockey and I was more of like that speed skill guy. And then I get to junior hockey and my draft year, I remember that this head coach in uh, Val d'Or in junior said, hey, if you want to make it to the next step, you know, they got plenty of skilled guys that can skate fast right now. You, you need to bring that physicality to your game. And that's when I had to make that adjustment in junior. Mm. But Peak is doing it at the NHL level, right? right. <laughs> Which is kind of crazy. Uh, so it, it is not easy. Yes, the game is not as physical as it used to be. But that's that's irrelevant because we're in a new era. You grew up in a different era. So it's definitely a big adjustment. And there are some quite large players that are men that he's playing against. And mm -hmm. physically, I think he's just going to keep getting bigger and stronger. So that's definitely going to help. And here and there, he may have to mix it up. And that's, that's another right. thing that, you know, he's going to have to learn, but it just comes with reps. You know, I don't think he needs to take boxing lessons or anything like that, especially in today's game, but just how to defend himself a little better. If need be. Now you would be willing to help him with in the fisticuffs department. He's got Jody Shelley at his dis disposal if he wants. He's got Derek Dorsett in the organization. Basil mm -hmm. McRae, the man's that man's got some resources if he wants to go to him. Yeah, he definitely does. I think uh, technically, I think uh, Jared Bowl and Jody can help him. Better. Jared Bowl is yes. more of a yeah. I was more of a player that uh, you know. It's it's funny because I've never boxed or got in fights outside the ice and. I feel like fear was my main factor uh, when yeah. I was fighting. And anytime that I fought without fear is usually when I got hit pretty hard or got knocked out. So as long as there's fear and that's your adrenaline, you're okay. So I wouldn't be a good teacher because <laughs> I would just say, close your eyes and swing away, my friend. Oh, I mean, hell, hell, I could teach you to be scared. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, I was thinking this too, as the night went on, like we're still, this Blue Jackets team is still in the early stages of becoming what they're going to become as they build back up here. And it's going to be fascinating to see like which of these teams, I'm thinking of some of the better teams around the league and they're, they're certainly aiming for, for that kind of roster. Are, are they going to be Colorado? Are they going to be Calgary? Are they going for Florida, Carolina? I wonder. I wonder where this thing goes, and I, I don't think uh, Yarmo gets to say right now just exactly where he wants it to go because the draft is going to tell him where the players he's drafted and how they improve is going to tell him. But it's going to be fun to see what the Blue Jackets become—the youngest team in the league, 
so much is still going to change in the next couple of years. Any thoughts on on where this this could be going and how sort of fun it is? I mean, it's fun to watch the process to be part of it because let's not kid ourselves. We've seen some team go through that process of getting better, and but it you know it's been tanking and tanking and tanking, and the Blue Jackets are finding a way to kind of do that rebuild through some decent result which you know 500 is really if you ask me at the beginning of the season if the blue jackets would be 500 halfway through the season i'd, I'd take that any day right now yeah, because yeah. if you look at all the experts they're expecting you know to be a lottery team which they're not right now so it, it's fun to see what kind of team will it be i'm not sure i think it's going to be a mix because I don't know what's coming up in this draft, but when you don't get a top two, three, unless you get one of those surprise guys, you know, like a Kucherov that got drafted really late and turned out to be a superstar. I don't see a player like that in the organization beside maybe Kent Johnson. I think Sillinger is going to be an excellent centerman, but he's not going to necessarily be that center that lifts you up your seat. Right. So, you know, he's not a Patrick Kane or Connor McDavid. So, but it doesn't mean he's not a good NHL player. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure exactly what kind of roster we're going to be looking at here in, you know, let's say three seasons from now, will it be more of a Carolina type team, which is well-balanced? Will it be a Florida team that's all skills or is it going to be a Calgary that's skills and boy, oh boy, are they big. You know, yes. you look at these guys and just their blue line. I mean, they're, I think their lightest guy was 190 pounds, and I felt bad for him because beside that, right. it was like 210, 230, oh, 225. And, and this is 2022. This is not 1995. So yeah. it was quite impressive. Yeah. Um, well, I've been saying this for a while. The Blue Jackets, they don't know how to tank. They, they never have. Um, and they're not trying to tank this year, honestly, but – a strong finish the rest of the way is far more likely to screw up their draft pick than it is to earn them a playoff spot, given where they are Correct. in the standings right now. And there's just such cynicism in sports these days. Like people used to whisper about tanking or joke about it almost like gallows humor. Now it's just spoken of openly. The NBA, NFL teams routinely lose intentionally to get better draft picks. The Pittsburgh Penguins have tanked their way to generational talents for for two generations now. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're the reason there's even a lottery in this league because of, of how they went about things. Um, but question for you, because you've been on some teams, especially early Blue Jackets and I think some the Atlanta Thrashers team you're on, where you if you didn't, you certainly didn't know when before this season starts because home, hope springs eternal. But you know pretty early on that, that management's expectations um, are that you're going to get a pretty good draft pick out of the season. Um, but what is that like to be in the room when you know that, that that's the expectation and are, do players in the room take great joy in sort of spoiling that? Because like there are people saying the blue jackets should be tanking, should be tanking. And these losses, these wins are actually losses. But then you look into the eyes of a player like Boone Jenner and Gus Nyquist and Sean Corrali and, and, and uh, you know, Gavrikov and tell those guys that they're supposed to be losing right now. They they're not hearing that. Brad Larson's not hearing that. It's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? It, it? it is a really interesting dynamic. And I was part of it in 2004 when I was in Washington. 
And Glenn, Glenn Hanlon was the coach and, you know, Ovechkin was going to be that first, you know, that pick. And it was, you know, they were tanking, but there were still some veterans on that team that want nothing to do with it. And it, no, uh, that's actually Joseph Boumediene was on that team. So you know, like Jeff Halpern was there and there Mm -hmm. were some older guys that want to, they did, they just didn't want to hear it. You know, guys like can't tell a guy like Brandon Whip. Uh, that hey, we're tanking this year, so there's still so much pride, and nobody wants to be part of it. But the dynamic in the room, which is definitely not what it is with the Blue Jackets, but I remember in Washington where guys were literally like we're winning games, and after the <laughs> the coach knew it was going to be gone the year after, and a general manager would walk in the locker room, and you could see he would be upset because <laughs> you're hurting our chances, Isn't and they crazy? got it. They had an East Coast goalie. They had an East Coast Hockey League goalie with us to finish the season to make sure we're tanking. And this guy ended up winning a couple of games. So they weren't really happy about it. But you could tell in the locker room, the guys enjoy winning. They just want to win because that's what got them to the NHL is being competitive. So you can't just turn that switch off. So I appreciate the Blue Jackets not going that route because it hurts your culture especially when you have some pieces that you want to keep for the future. And you yeah. talk about a guy like Sillinger, Boquist, you know, if they told Zach Wierenski last summer that, Hey, our, our job is to tank so we can get Shane Wright or whoever that is. I don't think Zach signs a long-term extension. Nobody wants to get through that. So you're still building that culture and whatever happens, happen, you will build through a draft free agency trades. I think that's the best way to go about because you look at the teams that have been perennial tankers in the NHL, not many of them are really out of the woods yet. You you talk about, you know, the Buffaloes, the Arizonas, even the Edmontons with the amount of first round pick and first of all pick that they've had there. We are 10 years later and it seems like they can't find their way out. So it's, I don't think it's the right way to build just because you're hurting your young talent as well. Yeah, I think this is a really interesting topic, and I'm I'm trying to get Yarmo Kekalainen in uh, to grab a coffee and go over this because it's dicey because you don't expect a GM to to just open up the the textbook to you and say, "Here's what we're doing." But it's pretty clear here that the plan is to not bring it all the way down, and and so you know, this year Shane Wright, next year Connor Bedard. Um, it, they're not bringing it, they're not absolutely going to destroy this situation to, in the hopes of getting one of those two guys. And I, I think a, it's cause it's not promised to you or guaranteed it's a lottery, but B, I, I think, I think there's some, there's some examples around the league. You mentioned a couple of them, certainly Buffalo and Edmonton. I think when you, when you blow everything up, draft a guy and then build the culture around that guy. That's a really tricky, tricky um, situation. And it clearly, it, it wasn't working with Eichel in Buffalo. He wasn't strong enough to be the guy of a rebuild. He could certainly play. I'll never take that away from him. Right. I look at I look at Connor McDavid half the time, and I wonder if he's even having fun with any of this. Right. It just it just looks so stressful. Their idea here is if you do get a Bedard or you do get a Shane Ryder, you're going to get a good player. You, you may not be getting the creme de la creme, but you bring them into your 
culture. And I would say, look at what Eichel's going to do in Vegas now, where it's not John, it's not Jack Eichel and a bunch of background singers. It's him fitting into the chorus that is the Vegas Golden Knights. And right. I feel like that's what Columbus is 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 trying to do, and I, I think that historically is proven to be much more effective way to bring an 18 year old into the NHL. Yeah, definitely the best way to do it. And again, you talk about, you talked about the Pittsburgh Penguins and listen, Sidney Crosby, there's one guy like that. That's going to come every 50 years because yeah. it's not just right. the skill on the ice, but it's just the, the old aura around him and what he brings in that locker room. You know, Connor McDavid, no disrespect, probably the most spectacular player to ever play in the NHL, but hmm. he still doesn't have that Crosby attitude that really he's like, hey, I'm going to put everybody on my back here. Not statistically, right. but like in that locker room, guys like that, like Patrice Bergeron, they're just mm-hmm. special. And yeah. there's, yes, you can be drafted number one overall, but yes, the leadership is a little bit part of it, but they're drafted guys based on skills and what their ceiling is more than anything else. So that's why the tanking thing is definitely not a good idea. It, in my opinion, but again, I'm not trying to be a general manager, but uh, yeah. I would definitely talk about it in my interview. That's for sure. If I, <laughs> if I were to. <laughs> yeah. It's good for podcasting. <laughs> that, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, last topic of, of the day, and it's a meaty one. Uh, it's a six foot five Finn named Patrick Line. My God, uh-huh. is he, is he hot right now? Um, and it, it's creating an interesting, a really interesting situation. It's not creating it. It's been here. It's just sort of, amplifying it for sure what do you do with this guy um i i i rather like having a guy on my team that can score uh easy goals they're easy for him uh this team historically has had to work so hard to score goals and here's a guy Mm -hmm. that can just blast it through the through a cement wall as we saw at the end of the game uh in in montreal um it's an interesting Conundrum: A, does he want to be here long term? B, do the Blue Jackets want to give him what will most certainly make him the highest paid player on the roster? Certainly, the highest paid forward on the roster. Um, is should he be part of the trade deadline this year? He's an RFA for another year, so they don't necessarily have to do anything with him right away. Um, but if they hold on to him into next year with another one year contract RFA. Then he'll be a pending UFA, and then the situation changes, or maybe they lose a little bit of of uh, hold on the situation. The Blue Jackets do. Um, first, let me ask you about his game, Jean Luc, because I do think it's it's made a, a lot of progress. And when he's going well, he's scoring uh, big goals and lots of goals that can sort of erase what other shortcomings there may be in his game. What have you seen from him just in the last few weeks? I think ever since uh, maybe Larson called him out and he's responded to it quite well, at least productively. Um, your view on on where he's going and, and can he sustain this? Certainly not, you know, 13 points every seven games. He's going to cool a little bit, but are we starting to see the, the player for what he can be? I hope so. Uh, I think for me, Kind of like the rest of the team, inconsistency is one of the things that we've seen from Patrick Laine. We've seen some flashes here and there. Sometimes it were a shift. Sometimes it was a full period. Sometimes it was a game. 
But to see him put that stretch of game one after another has been quite impressive. To me, I, I'm going to use the word engagement. He just seems to want to be engaged in every single situation and shift when he gets on the ice. And it, it's tough to watch when you watch the game on TV, but what you want, watch them live to see him just hop over the board and wanting that puck versus, mm -hmm. I don't want to say he's hiding from it, but you can tell sometimes when a guy just, he's not feeling it and he'd rather not touch the puck. And yeah. yes, you will make mistakes. I'm all for it. But once that mistake is made, what's the body language? And as of late, it's a very good response from Patrick Laine. So that's how I answer the question. That's what I'm seeing from him is just, yeah, the point production is there. But also, he's just being—he's very engaged, shift after shift. Yeah. So tough question here, but can he be your focal point offensively? Can he be your best forward if you are a team that has Stanley Cup aspirations, or is he? Because I, I had a veteran NHL coach conversing with him, not John Tortorella, if you're thinking that um, about Patrick Line. What should the Blue Jackets do with this guy? And he described him as a luxury piece. Um. Which I thought was well, an interesting, interesting definition. Can he be the focal point, or does he have to be the add-on, the specialty, the the luxury? Yeah, well, you know, you kind of ruined it because that's exactly where I was going. I think he's a very, uh, he's a force offensively. There's no doubt about it. But my way to the, I, I would call him a luxury as well. I don't think he's a catalyst. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, there are certain guys that no matter what their position is. Uh, you know, you take talk about like John Tauberdo or like like a true number one center where uh, Sidney Crosby. There, there's very few guys like that, by the way. Uh, yep. Alexander Barkov. Guys that once they get the puck, it seems like the four players around them become instantly better every time they step yep. on the ice. And then you have the guy that can just finish, right? And... To me, that finisher is Patrick Laine. Uh, so for a winger, yes, but I think is he should he be your centerpiece as far as like if you're trying to compete for a Stanley Cup, I think he's that luxury second guy that you can have, not your main uh, offensive weapon. But I will say it's going to be interesting to see how Sillinger and you know Kent Johnson, they're saying they want him to be a centerman. That would be a pretty nice uh, little luxury to have Patrick Laine uh, along a Ken Johnson or a Sillinger uh, down the future to really mm -hmm. help these guys develop and really get some confidence as well. Yeah. Um, and it, it's interesting, too. Like the Blue Jackets are going to be not a salary cap team for the next several years, probably. Now, eventually, the Sillingers, the Johnsons, those guys are going to. They're going to be coming out of their entry-level deals and getting paid. Uh, but you wonder if in the near term, Line A could, could fit um, with this group. You mentioned Crosby. I had a conversation with a veteran goaltender not long ago about who are the toughest players. Um, the guys that when they come over the boards, you, you, really, you really pay attention to them. And he said the thing that's so frustrating about Crosby, Crosby – Crosby himself, super skilled player, obviously, doesn't have an incredible shot. He's got a really good shot, but he's such a smart player. He said when he's on the ice, you worry about five guys, not just Crosby, because he brings yeah. everybody into it. 
it's like there's now five offensive weapons here because he utilizes guys so extraordinarily. I thought that was an interesting observation. Yeah, and it's it's just the fact that they look, you know, people are like, oh, Crosby's a whiner. I don't I don't think it's whining. I think, you know, Tom Brady is the same way or was the same way, I should say. They're so demanding on themselves that they demand a lot from anyone that is on their team. And that's that's why they're right. champions. Because they are so hard on themselves, they're not going to point the finger. They're going to point the finger because they know they gave it all. So it's not one of those that they're going to deflect the blame to someone else. They just have very high expectation, not only for themselves, but for their teammate. And that's what makes them so special. But again, there's very few players like that in the sport. I think Tom Brady was one. Sidney Crosby is one. Uh, There's a few. Patrice Bergeron, to me, is is definitely one of those as well. But it's just, those are special players. Uh, and and it's not to take anything away from Patrick Klein, eh? but, you know, he's not one of those. And I don't yeah. think the Blue Jackets have any of those. Honestly, probably 75% of the NHL doesn't have a player like that on their squad. Yeah. It just, yeah, right. it is what it is. Yeah. Well, go find one, Yarmo, right? <laughs> I'm sure there's one somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. Let's go. Let's get this thing going. Jean-Luc, thanks for your time, man. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Great chatting with you. See you uh, at the rink very, very soon. All right, Aaron. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, man. Talk to you later. All right, bye. And thanks for listening, folks. Uh, this has been Front and Nationwide. That was Bally Sports Ohio's Jean-Luc Grandpierre, one of the best guys in the business. Uh, we'll be back with you next week, same time. Thanks to Danielle, our producer. Thanks to David Cook for the great intro and outro music. And uh, we'll be back with y'all very, very soon. Take care.